good to see you once again and be here in your presence and trust the Lord would bless us uh, with uh, some edifying words today and that the Lord would be in the matter and that he would uh, bless us together. Um, I'd like to turn with me, I'll read a little bit out of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Um <clears throat> We sang uh, several songs today that reflect some of the sentiments uh, that I want to try to talk about today. Um, <clears throat> Sweet Hour of Prayer says something about how that we would, uh, <clears throat> you know, drop this, this robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise to reach the everlasting prize, uh, go home with the Lord, what he's talking about. Um, we sang, uh, shall we, you know, the, uh, 408, shall we gather at the river? <clears throat> that fourth, uh, stanza says, soon we shall reach the shining river. Soon our pilgrimage shall cease. If I follow the impression of my mind and that was on my heart, I like to try to talk about the fact, um, the real live fact that we're strangers and pilgrims on this earth and that we have a home in heaven, that we're here for a little while, but eternity stands before us. In Hebrews, let's read a little bit of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him, with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength and, and con- <coughs> strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We find the Second Peter chapter 2, verse 11, the Apostle James addressing his hearers. He says, I beseech you, brethren, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Do we view our life here as trying to serve the Lord and be faithful disciples and servants of the Most High God, do we go through our life and consider that from the perspective and live our life from the perspective that we're but strangers and pilgrims on this earth? If we don't, we should. Alright? These brethren here in Hebrews chapter 11, They looked for a country. We're going to drop down in verse 16. Uh, Verse 14 says, For they that say such things, 
say such things as what? They confessed that they were but strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. You know, God's got a city prepared for us. There's a heavenly city. There's a heavenly country. And we're a bit stranger and we're not going <clears> to... <throat> We're not going to get there until we cross that river of death. When this flesh drops and rise, and I gain my home in the skies. You know, the Christian perspective is different than the world's perspective. You know, the world's worldview, the view of the world, the worldview of the world, is that you only go around once and when you're, you know, you live and you die and once you're dead, you're dead all over. Like a dead dog, dead dog rover. You're just dead. That's it. It's finished. There's nothing else after death. So you might as well just live it up. Grab all the gusto you can because you only go around once and we're living here on this earth and once you die, that's it. But that's a World, that's an atheistic view, worldview. God desires us to live after a Christian worldview. And if we are thinking right and are sober minded, we'll do just that. We'll acknowledge like these saints of old who received the promises, they were, they were, uh, uh, persuaded of them, they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Can we confess? Do you confess today that you're a stranger and pilgrim upon this earth? If you, if you don't, then you should, if you're blood, blood bought and heaven bound. The Bible describes us as strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Because when we die, that's not the end. We find over in 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, we find the Apostle Paul telling the church there at Thessalonica, he says, let me, you know, I've just said what the atheistic worldview is. Once you're dead, you're gone. You're just a higher form of animal. You're just like all the animals are going to die and go away, and you're going to do the same. But I find a different worldview taught in the Word of God, that there's life beyond the grave. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13, Paul says this, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. There are people who have no expectation past the grave. But Paul says, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant like some folks are. Uh, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. There are people who have no hope or expectation beyond the grave. He goes on, he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they which are alive and remain shall not prevent, that means go before them which are asleep, those that are dead in the grave. They shall not go before them that are asleep. But the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall you, we ever be with the Lord. How long's ever? It's forever and ever. The atheistic worldview is all you've got is the now. All you've got is your life now. The Christian, the biblical perspective is that this world that we have now is just a little bit of time compared to the eternity that stands before us. You know what truth about people is, you know, the world said, well, you just go around once. Like, it's over when you're dead. Every person here, every every human being, did you know that God created every human being and they have a perpetual existence? Your life's never going to end. Your life is never going to end. God has arranged it such that I spend a short little span of time here in on this terra firma, on this earth, you see. Because I am just here for a little while. We find in James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, we have a question. This is in context, verse 13. Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a city, uh, sorry, continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Your life here on earth is described in the Bible as a little Time. A little time. Just a little time. I find over in Hebrews chapter 10 that the apostle is, is, writes here, he says, uh, verse 35, we're breaking into a context. He says, cast not away therefore, verse 35, your confidence, which hath great recompense and reward, for ye have need of patience. That after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Who do you think that is? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Over there in uh, John chapter 14, he says, uh, he says, I would not have sorrows other, other uh, sorry. He says, let not your heart, can't even quote that, John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where you, where I am, there you may be also. He, did he go away? He did go away, didn't he? He says, if I go away, I'll come again and receive you. All right? He, it, he's over here in Hebrews chapter 10, he said, you have need of patience. Be a little patient. And he says over there, he says you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God it might receive the promise. That's the fulfillment of the promise of his coming. He says, for yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. He said in, what did he say? He says yet a little while he's going to come. Now you may be thinking, well, you know, Brother Vince, that's that was written almost 2,000 years ago. 
Is 2,000 years just a little time? He says he's going to come back. He hasn't come back yet, right? But in a little time he is. But 2,000 years have passed. Well, what's 2,000 years can pass compared to an eternity that never ends? It's just a little time. Even 2,000 years is a little time. A thousand years, uh, 10,000 years is a little time. This earth has been going around about 6,000 years. It's a little time. That's what our life is. Maybe we live to be 70, 80, 100 years old. Guess what? That's just a little time. What is your life? It's but a vapor. It's here for a little bit and it's gone. Alright? But we're going to be forever with the Lord. The Lord shall descend from heaven and shout the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. We're going to gather together and meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Where are we going to be with the Lord? We're going to be with Him in heaven. But while we're here just a little while, the Bible describes us as strangers and pilgrims. Strangers. We're just here a little while. Can we understand and grasp that concept that we're here just a little while? A little time, you see. If we could put our existence in this time world on a timeline, y'all familiar with timelines? You know, different events. Our existence on this earth would be a little dot on a timeline that reaches into eternity, that never ends. That never ends. Our little life is like a vapor. It's here a little while, and then it vanishes away. But eternity stands before us. All right. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. You know what it says? It says, for our conversation is in heaven, from which we look for the Savior. That word conversation right there comes from a Greek word. I'm not a Greek scholar, but you can look it up as well as I can. It's a different word than usually found in the scriptures that's translated Conversation. That word conversation usually means your manner of life. This particular word means your citizenship. It says your citizenship is in heaven. Heaven's my home. See, we have a home that we've never seen before. We, we're going to a country that we're, we're just aliens here. We're strangers in a strange land that God put us in and we're but strangers and pilgrims on this earth. But we're looking for a city which hath foundations his builder and maker is God. Abraham, when God told Abraham, he told him to go into Canaan's land, and he says, you go up, and he went up to the north of it, the south of it, the east of it, the west of it. He's looking around all that land that God had promised him. Promised him a land. And he did give the natural Israelite the land, right? But my friends, there is so much more that that has reference to. Abraham was looking for a city. That is a heavenly city. Those brethren confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth and they were looking for a country that is a heavenly country. Alright? They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They knew that they had in themselves a better and enduring substance in heaven. That they're going to go home to be at the Lord one day. They're going to go to home that they've never been before. Because they're citizens of another country. They're citizens of a heavenly country. 
in Genesis chapter 47. In Genesis 47, we find that Jacob, you remember Joseph was sold into slavery, right? Into Egypt. And he, he was head, he was placed head over all Egypt. And he gathered up corn for a famine that would come. They had seven years of plenty. They had seven years of famine. And in the second year of famine, they didn't have anything to eat in Jacob's house. And they came into Egypt. You remember that? And when Pharaoh, that great leader, and, and Jacob met together, Jacob asked, or Pharaoh asked Jacob this question, how old art thou? We read him here in Genesis 47, verse 8. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, how old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh this, and I love this verse. He says, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty years. Look how he answered that. The days of the years of my pilgrimage. Is, is that how you answer when someone asks how old you are? The days of the years of my pilgrimage are XX years. We don't typically, do we? We sure could though. Because it's a reality. It's a reality. It's a reality that we're going to go home one day. And as we're walking here in this life, it's important that we understand and come from the perspective in life, walk with the perspective that we're strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Because this world's not our home. Heaven's our home. I'm here for a little while. I'm there with the Lord for an eternity. Think about that just for a moment. In your existence, you will always exist. If you're blood-bought, you're heaven-bound. And you have inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We ought to go around arming our minds with that every day. Realize who we are in Christ. And realize where we're going. Realize this world's not my home, but heaven's my home. I'm here just for a little while, but there forever. Satan and all his forces will try to get you to center yourself and your mind on this life. Get you to think in this worldview that, well, you know, all I've got's now. And not be, not have your eyes where we should have them. Have our eyes upon the Lord. To be thinking. To renew our mind. It says over there, over there in uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. He says that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. Acceptable unto God. He says, and be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is the acceptable good and perfect will of God. Here, and if you don't hear anything I've said, hear this. He says, he gives us a command not to be conformed to the image, or be not conformed to this world. Okay? Tells us what not to do. Not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This world system tries to get us to conform to the worldview of the atheist. Those who don't believe in the Lord, don't believe this book. And get us to thinking 
that this world is all we've got. You might as well eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. I mean, you know, live it up while you got a chance because this is all there is. We need not be conformed to this atheistic worldview. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We, God is, God tells us and commands us to be thinking certain ways. And that's hard for me sometimes because I'm lazy in my mind. That's why I like television so, so much. I don't have to think, you know, just sit in front of it and it just filters in, right? That's a dangerous thing because your mind is to be guarded. What you see and hear and what we think about. You know, not all discipleship has to do with me, you know, being kind to my neighbor and loving my brother, loving my wife, loving my husband, loving my children, trying to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Some of these things we do. We come to the worship of God. We try to hear the word of God. We try to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart unto the Lord. Whatsoever you do, do as unto the Lord. You know, there's a lot of things we'll do, try to treat people certain ways and good ways, uh, like we're, you know, treating the Lord. So what I'm trying to tell you is there's a lot of horizontal things we do, trying to serve the Lord, go take, you know, visit the sick, a lot of things. We're supposed to be busy, right? Busy, 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 trying to serve the Lord and do the things that He told us to do. Well, some of the things the Lord told us to do, I have to do right between my ears. I have to do, it takes effort for me to do some things. What I'm trying to tell you is, a lot of our discipleship is right between my two ears in my mind. I'm supposed to be thinking about certain things. And I'm not supposed to be thinking about other things. Alright? Over in Philippians chapter 4, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are true, etc., etc. Think on these things. God has told us some things we ought to be thinking on. Alright? Alright, well we need to be and let's let's go let's go to uh and, and let me just uh <clears throat> so there's a battle for the mind. We warfare against Satan and all his forces right up here in our minds a lot of times, all right? Because Satan is interested in our minds. You say, what are you talking about the mind? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what we're getting to is we need to renew our mind in this worldview of who we are and that heaven's our home. The Lord's going to come receive us unto Himself one of these days. This worldview that I'm here just a little while. I'm a stranger and pilgrim on the earth. That is a view, but it's a true view. And we need to renew our mind with this fact, this truth that we have. Alright? And so we see here in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to tell you Satan is interested in your mind. He's interested in my mind. Because he likes to mess us up in our minds. Get us thinking wrong. Don't get us let us consider certain things. He wants to throw us off track. Alright? In Second. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 
Here we need to take heed that our minds not be corrupted, our minds not be led astray. Alright, let's go to an affirmative and a positive over in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13. He's just talked about how the Lord's going to come back and the salvation of the Lord that we have in Jesus Christ. And he says, verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that's to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this revelation of Jesus Christ isn't where he's imparting knowledge to you. This is talking about his second coming. When he's revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. You see, he's coming again. So we find here, this is uh, actually not just a suggestion. This is this is why I say part of our discipleship is right up here in our mind. Because God tells us what we're supposed to be doing with our mind. And right here, He says, wherefore, because the Lord's coming back, you have salvation in the Lord. He says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. What do you mean gird up the loins of your mind? The, lo- the mind doesn't have loins. But it's a figure of speech. You know, back in the Old Testament, they would gird up their loins and their, their garments about them when they get ready to run. Right? That's what they did. He's, Peter is saying, gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare your mind for some action. That's what he's saying. Get your mind ready. Prepare your mind. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. And we do this, my friends, by the renewing of our mind in certain things. Not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind into certain of God's truths. That's what we're talking about today. We need to renew our mind with certain truths of God. That's how we gird up the loins of our mind and be sober. And that word sober means right thinking. To be right thinking. Be thinking right. Well, you know, one of the ways we can be thinking wrong is we take the worldview, the atheist, when we're dead, it's all over and this is all we got. It's right here in this world. That's a wrong view. That, that, that'll, that'll, that'll transform our mind alright, but not in a good way. But he says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. The sober, uh, the truth of the matter, to be right minded is that the Lord's gonna come back one day and take us home. What does the text say? Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end, hope to the end, hope, and the hope is not a wish. You understand that? It's an expectation. Hope to the end for the grace that's to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to expect the Lord to come again. We need to be living like the Lord's coming again. You know why? Because He is. Uh, we need to be living like we're just here a little while. He's going to come home. He's going to come and get us and take us home where we're going to be with Him forever and ever and ever. Now, why should you, why should you renew your mind with that? Because that's the truth of the matter. That's being right-minded. That's being sober-minded. Alright? That the Lord is coming again. And He's going to receive us unto Himself that where He is, there we may be also, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that's to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former loss in your ignorance, 
But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now that's usually what we think about when we think about discipleship is being holy before God and, and living a righteous, godly life before God to the best of our ability. Our horizontal living. He, he doesn't neglect that here in 1 Peter. But I want you to see there's two things. There's, there's a, there, there's an aspect of discipleship that goes horizontal. Be ye holy for I am holy. As, uh, he says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves, uh, according to the former lust in your ignorance, but be ye holy. But while we're being holy, we're supposed to have girded up our mind and be right thinking. And hope or expect to the end for the grace that's to be brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That says, while I'm living here horizontally below, I need to keep my eyes on the Lord, realizing I'm just a stranger and pilgrim here, but the Lord's going to come get me. Because He saved me. Alright? And a lot of times we leave off that aspect of discipleship, of girding our loins, the loins of our mind and being sober thinking as we're trying to serve horizontal. I need to be sober thinking. Realize the Lord's coming again. And you'll find this over and over in the Bible. You know, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. He says, he says, seeing that we have such a great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that's set before us horizontal, looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. You know where we need to look? We need to look up and keep our eyes on the Lord. Do you know when it was when over there in Matthew chapter 14 when Peter was walking on the water to the Lord? You know when he started sinking? When he took his eyes off the Lord. He took his eyes off the Lord and he began to sink. And the troubles and trials and difficulties of this life, Satan will try to get you to focus on your trials and tribulations and trouble and to look down and you start sinking in despondency and despair and all these things. But my friends, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. We need to run the race that's set before us with patience, looking unto Jesus. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. It says, And the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed and glorious hope of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Looking for Him to come again. As we're trying to live righteously and godly in this present world, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And it takes effort to do that. It takes effort to keep our eyes on the Lord. When we're maybe walking on the water, think of Peter walking on the water to the Lord, and you got all these distractions over here, the winds and the waves, and he can see them, but he keeps his eyes on the Lord. And if you keep your eyes on the Lord, you can run that race with patience. And looking unto Jesus, he'll sustain you, and you're not going to sink and drown in your trials and troubles and tribulations because you have your eyes fixed. You know that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance, you see. You know that you have the Lord in heaven. You know that you're here as a stranger and pilgrim in this earth. I need to renew my mind with that truth. This world's not my home. Heaven's my home. I'm here for a little while because I'm just a stranger. I'm, I'm a citizen of another country. Hadn't been there yet, but I'm going to live there forever and ever and ever and ever when I get through with this little world in which I am now present. Alright? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes back to that church and he talks about their conversion experience. 
in the last verse, it says, you know how ye turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Here I want you to notice that He did two different things. What did He do? They turned, they turned to God from their idols to serve the true and living God. But also to wait for His Son from heaven. You see, they were serving the Lord in their horizontal, let me say that, discipleship, but they were looking for Jesus to come, which had delivered them from the wrath to come. He had uh, drank the cup of God's wrath for their sins, whereby He put away their sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Uh, he was manifested to take away our sins, and when He had by Himself purged our sins, Hebrews 11.3 says, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He delivered us from the wrath that was justly due our sins. That's why we're going to live with Him in glory forever and ever and ever. James writes and says to 11, Dearly beloved, as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts, I don't want anybody to go away from here today. So, well, you know, Brother Vince says, you know, well, we go out here in this world, we should, you know, we should, we, we should pretend we're just strangers and pilgrims on the earth and live accordingly. No, I don't want you to pretend anything. I want you to live the reality. It's not pretend. It is the biblical truth that we're but strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Jacob was serious when he says, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. I'm just here for a little while. It's important to embrace. You, unless you embrace this truth, the truth that you're a stranger and pilgrim in this life as you live here, unless you embrace that, you'll never live it. You'll never live like it. Those brethren over there in Hebrews chapter 11, they heard about the promises. Let me read that again. All, verse 13, all these died, 11, 13, all these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. There was promise of eternal life given in Christ Jesus before the world began. There's a promise of life. And God's children have an everlasting, eternal life. And they're going to live with the Lord in glory. It says all these died in faith, not having received the promises, but they saw them afar off. Yeah, I hear you, preacher. You're talking about heavenly things. Well, I, and I think I've seen some of them afar off. But my friends, those things are a reality. They're a reality. And we'll be sober-minded when we believe the reality and acknowledge the truth, which is after godliness. Titus 1.3 says. You know the knowledge and the truth is after godliness. Acknowledging the truth of what things are and how things are. That's according to godliness. But he says they were persuaded of them. And embraced them. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They not only saw these promises afar off. They weren't just persuaded that they were true. But they embraced that truth in their life and confess that I'm but a stranger and pilgrim on this earth. I have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Heaven is my home. I'm citizen of another country. 
Let that sink in your ears. I mean, we're here for a little while. We're blood bought and heaven bound. We need to live. We need to. We need to uh, renew our mind with this fact of this truth. I'm just a stranger and pilgrim on the earth. Don't just pretend it. Live the reality because that's it's reality. It's reality. Over there in Colossians chapter three, about verse eight or nine, I think where it says, uh, "Let me just turn over there." Wherefore, as as the elect put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Verse twelve, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forgiving one another. He starts out saying, "Put on, therefore, as the elect of God." Now you understand election. God chose the people in Christ before the foundation of the world. You believe that? Do you think we're supposed to go around and pretend that that's true? No, we believe it's true, right? He did. There's the elect of God. That's a truth, right? He says, put on therefore as the elect of God. He's not saying, oh, pretend, just pretend that you're elect and live this way. Put this on. He's not doing that. He's saying, because you are the elect of God, this is what you're supposed to put on. This is how you're supposed to live, right? As the elect of God. Well, second, first Peter chapter two verse eleven says, dearly beloved, as strangers and pilgrims, because you're strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust. It's no pretend. I want you to see, we're not supposed to just go around, so I'm going to start pretending. No. I want you to live the reality, and when we believe, and we understand, and we embrace the truth, embrace this truth, just as you're the elect of God, you're strangers and pilgrims on this earth, and we should live accordingly. We need to gird up the loins of our mind. Hope to the, expect to the end for the grace that's to be brought unto us, the revelation of Jesus Christ. After the apostle Paul gives the Christian worldview over here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's go over there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. <clears throat> he said, I wouldn't have you to sorrow as Others which have no hope, they have no expectation. We have an expectation. For the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Alright? Wherefore comfort one another with these words. We're forever be with the Lord. Ever and ever and ever and ever. That's the truth of it. And there's going to be a lot of people surprised. Did you know that atheists won't always be atheists? When the Lord comes again, they're like, oops. <laughs> no, they're not going to remain atheists because they're going to see Him. Every eye shall see Him. He's going to come. But it's, that day's going to come as a thief of the night to a lot of people. Because they don't believe it, they think all their they they've adopted this worldview that uh, when you're dead, you know this, you're, it's all over. This all, all, all this world's all we got. And he says here in First Thessalonians chapter five, after it says the Lord's going to come, we're going to be with Him forever in the, with the Lord. He says verse five, five, five one in First Thessalonians, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. <clears throat> To an unbelieving world it will. As a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But he says, but ye brethren, 
It's not going to come upon you as a thief in the night. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of the light and the children of the day. We're not children of the, of the night nor of darkness. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others. See, if we're sleeping, we're not watching. You know, many times Jesus told His disciples, stay and watch. Are we watching for the Lord to come? Remember those that He said here that He's writing to? How they turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. They were living their life trying to serve the Lord, waiting for Christ to come, take them home. Because they're strangers and pilgrims in this world. Their conversation, their citizenship is in heaven. They're citizens of another country. They're just sojourning here for a while. You know that city over there that Abraham looked for? It's the same city we're looking for. It's the same country we're looking for. Over in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 14, he talks about how that Jesus, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the the gate. He said, let us therefore go uh, without the camp bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Are you seeking a city? It said, whoever wrote that in Hebrews, he said, but we, we have no here, here in this world, here in this life. We don't have a continuing city. It's all going to be burned up, but we seek one to come. And I believe it's the same city Abraham was looking for. It's a heavenly city. It's a heavenly country. We don't have a continuing city here, but we're seeking one to come. You see how we're living our life? We're, we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. And the Lord's going to come one of these days. We don't need to be sleeping. Be watching for Him to come. With fond expectation, even so come Lord Jesus. Verse 6 says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. There's that word sober again. It means being in your right mind. Thinking rightly. He says, let us watch and be sober. Watch for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord to come again. With fond expectation. Girding up the loins of our mind. Hoping, expecting to the end for the grace that's to come to us when He comes again and takes us home, you see. Live. We need to renew our mind in those truths. And what He says here, be sober-minded. That's right thinking. He says, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Why is He bringing up drunkenness and sleep? Well, when you're asleep, you're not thinking, are you? Unless you're having a dream. And you're drunk, you're not thinking right. That's why drunkenness versus sober. Be sober. Sober is to be right thinking. And when you're intoxicated, you're not right thinking. So he's saying, watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken at night. But let us who are of the day be sober. He said, but let us of the day, of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. A helmet. Here's some Christian armor we're supposed to put on. Alright? For a helmet, the hope of salvation. What do we, what does a helmet do? It, it protects what? Your head. Where's your mind? It's protecting your mind. It's protecting your brain. It's, take, it's protecting your mind. And God has some armor that we're, that He tells us to put on. See, we've got to be active. There's some preparation. I'm supposed to arm my head with the knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ that He's coming again and going to take me home. Alright? That's my own words. Let's see what the Apostle's words, what God's words was. 
He says, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And again, hope is an expectation. We hope, we expect it. In other words, we're to arm our minds with the helmet of the hope or expectation of salvation as we live our life here in this little short time span world in which we live. And put on the helmet, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, why would we ever have an expectation of salvation? He gives us in the next verse. Why should we put, have this hope of salvation? He says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live with Him. God has appointed us, not to wrath, but He's appointed us to obtain salvation. When everything's said and done in this little time world, we're going to go home with the Lord. Christ, he, he hath not appointed, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but He's appointed us to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that we should live with Him. And all those for whom Christ died are going to live with Him. Alright? Now, if God appointed salvation for us through Jesus Christ who died for us that we would live with Him, why wouldn't we expect, any, why would we expect anything different? That's His purpose. He died for us that we would live with Him forever and ever and ever. He did that. And so why would we not expect it? You see, we have that hope or expectation because Christ came to save the people. He didn't come to try. He did it. He died for us that we would live together with Him. So we can arm, we can renew our mind. We need to what? Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to their world vision of, of this world and this life only. But the truth of the matter, we need to arm and renew our minds. Put on that helmet, which is the expectation of salvation, by renewing our mind in the truth of the fact that Christ put away our sins. He's coming to take us home. It's a, This is the will of God that He would come and uh, uh, take us home to be with Him. Alright? That He would lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. It will be with Him forever and ever. For the Lord, the truth and reality. May the Lord bless us to renew our minds, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In the fact that we're strangers and pilgrims on this earth, that heaven's our home, uh, this world's not our home. And my friends, that will help you and I to navigate the difficult and trials and troubles that we have in this life. To run our race with patience, we need to be, while we're doing that, we'll be looking unto Jesus. Turn, those Thessalonians turned to serve God, uh, but while, while they did that, they were waiting for Christ to come, which would deliver them from their act to come. The grace of God which brings salvation teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, we have a vision. To be looking under the Lord. But when our eyes stray off from the Lord, and we don't renew our mind in this truth and be sober and right thinking, I'm going to tell you what, if Satan gets our eyes off of the inheritance 
that we have that's undefiled, that fadeth not away for us, and what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, we get our eyes off of that, we can sink. That's right. I'll give you a case in point. Let's go to, let's back up to Hebrews chapter 10. You know, there's a familiar phrase that I've heard all my life. <clears throat> trying to encourage people and say, you know, you ought to come to church. Don't just stay out, you know. <clears throat> Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Y'all ever heard, ever heard that verse? Forsake not the assembling. Well, that's, that's in Hebrews chapter 10. And you know why that verse is in there? Because he's explaining that some exactly did that. There were some people that the book of Hebrews is written to. And if you look at the book of Hebrews, um, over and over a few times, it says, you know, it's encouraging, encouraging them to hold fast. Let's just read it here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not the forsaking and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. There were some that he was writing to that were forsaking the assembling of themselves together. This was a tough time for the Hebrews, for the Jewish converts to Christ. The other Jews didn't look very fondly. I mean, if they, you know, they, 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 they frowned less, I think, if you were a Gentile and turned to Christ, but if you were of the brotherhood of the Jews and you turned, you're a traitor. And they were persecuted. And they were persecuted to the point that some of them said, I'm not even going down there to the meeting house anymore. It was too hot. You know, it's too hot in the kitchen, get out. Well, it was too hot because they were under tribulation and persecution to the point that some of them, they weren't holding fast the profession of their faith. They were wavering. And I know that because he says it in verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. That was a problem in that day. And he's writing them to encourage them. Even to the point of persecution where they were not, they were forsaking the assembling of themselves together. They wouldn't go down to meet with brother and sister in Christ for fear of persecution. I'm telling you, they lost sight of something. They lost sight of the fact that they're strangers and pilgrims on this earth. They lost sight of the fact that they have in heaven a better and enduring substance, an eternal inheritance when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and gets them, takes them home. After, if we kept reading for sake of time, I'm going to skip verse 26. He gives them a warning. If we simply, uh, for if we sin willfully after that we receive the knowledge of the truth. I'll let you read that later. He gives them a judgment. Okay? And he ends that judgment with verse 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But in verse 32, he gives them some instruction. 
And I'm going to tell you that he desired them to renew their mind with something. He says, gives them this instruction. He says, but call to remembrance. Doesn't that take, that takes activity, right? Right up here, right? He's calling upon them to do something right up here. To think about, remember something. He says, but call to remembrance the former days. In which after you were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of affliction. Every time I read this, I, I think of that scripture over in Revelation. It says, thou hast less, left thy first love. I think he's saying, look, he says, remember the former days when you were illuminated in the days of your first love with the Lord. You saw the Lord high and lifted up and you realized who you were in Jesus Christ. Then he put your sins as far away as the east is from the west and that you're saved by the grace of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ from your just condemnation of our punishment for our sins. And he delivered us from the wrath to come. He says, call to remembrance the former days. You people that are wavering in your profession. Scared to meet with the saints of God. He says, call to remembrance the former days. You know, you weren't always like this. Call to remembrance the former days in which you were illuminated. Guess what? Ye endured a great fight of afflictions then. Alright? Ye endured a great fight of affliction. Partly whilst you were made a gazing stock. Both by reproaches and afflictions. And partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. And I say misused. In other words, I'll walk arms with my brother and sister. And they were being persecuted, counted a gazing stock, and were under afflictions. I'd still go with them. He says, verse 34, For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spilling of your goods. How could they do all these things? Suffer affliction, being a gazing stock? And being companions of those that were so used or misused. How could they do all those things? Call to remembrance the former day when you were illuminated. You endured a great fight of afflictions. And you endured all this affliction and trial and tribulation. And being made a gazing stock. How could you do all that? You did all that in time past. Remember? How? He says, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Read it. He says, ye had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. You see what their mind was consumed with? What they had in their mind? They knew they had in heaven a better and an enduring substance than what they had here in trials and afflictions, persecutions. They were able to stand against them. They endured a great fight of afflictions knowing that they had in heaven a better and an enduring substance. They're going to be the Lord forever and ever and ever. They realize I'm a stranger and pilgrim on this earth but heaven is my home my, I'm a citizen of this country I've never been before but I'm going to be there forever and ever and ever because of the sacrifice and atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ who bought me and he's going to take me to be with him who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him God's appointed unto me salvation you see and there's a city I'm going to be in that heavenly country I'm going to be in forever and ever and ever you are able to endure a great fight of afflictions you can walk uh, uh, arm in arm with your saints of God under person persecution here in this little time world because this little time world is just here for a little while. I'm going to be with God forever in eternity. No, How are you able to do that? Knowing. See, you're thinking and realizing the truth. You appropriated the truth of the fact that I'm going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. I have salvation through Christ. 
That's how I was able to endure a great fight of afflictions, knowing that I have in heaven a better and enduring substance. But if I take my eyes off the Lord, onto this world and trials and tribulations, I'll start sinking like Peter did when he walked into the Lord. He took his eyes off. We try to serve God, but keep run our race with patience, looking unto Jesus. Looking for the blessed hope and the glories appearing. Don't let that get out of our minds. Because we're supposed to arm our minds with this expectation of salvation when the Lord comes again. Because Christ died for us and we live together with Him. We have salvation through Christ. And that's the reality. That's being sober-minded. To be thinking correctly of this truth. And he goes on, he says, you are able to endure. Remember, you are able to endure a great fight of afflictions because you knew you had in heaven a better and enduring substance. He goes on and says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Don't cast it away. Don't forget it. Don't cast it away, which hath great recompense and reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. And one of these days, we're going to receive the promise that he says, I'm going to come back and receive you out of myself that where I am, there you may be also. That's going to be reality one day and we'll be with him forever and ever and ever. So shall we ever be with the Lord? He says, verse 37, he said, you will receive the promise. Verse 37, forget a little while. Don't forget yet a little while. It's just a little while. Yet a little while. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. My friends, we're but strangers and pilgrims on here. Next time somebody asks you how old you are, think about Jacob's reply before you answer. That'd be a good conversation starter. All the days of the years of my life are... Well, I'm 59. 59 years old. All the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 59. Those brethren over there, they saw the promises afar off. They believed them, but they embraced them. And when they embraced them, these truths, they confessed, I'm but a stranger and pilgrim on this earth. May God bless us to be able to do the same. God bless you.